May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture is from Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus returned from the Jordan, filled with the Holy Spirit, and she led him into the desert for 40 days, where he was tempted by the devil. Jesus ate nothing during that time, at the end of which he was famished. The devil said to Jesus, If you are God's own, command this stone to turn into bread. Jesus answered, Scripture has it, we don't live on bread alone. Then the devil took Jesus up higher and showed him all the nations of the world in a single instant. The devil said, I'll give you all the power and glory of these nations. The power has been given to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Bow down and worship me, and it will be yours. In reply, Jesus said, Scripture has it. You will worship the Most High God. God alone will you adore. Then the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem and set him up on the parapet of the temple and said, If you are God's own, throw yourself down from here. For scripture has it, God will tell the angels to take care of you. With their hands they'll support you, that you may never stumble on a stone. And Jesus said to the devil and replied, also says, Do not put God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, Jesus was left alone. The devil awaited another opportunity. Uh, let us pray. Uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts and minds be full of thoughtfulness, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. When I think of temptation, um, which is kind of what the story is about a little bit, I think of, of, of our, our pantry after we had canned all the fruit. I grew up in an orchard in eastern Washington state and we canned hundreds of quarts of applesauce and peaches and pears and cherries. Oh my gosh. So good. And the temptation, at least for me, was when I got home from school, would be just to go down and open a quart jar and just, just be done with it. Just eat. I mean, you know how good it is, like peaches that you can like a month and a half ago? Ah, I got away with that like twice. Um, but I think the temptations we're going to read about here are maybe a little different than that kind of thing. So after Jesus was baptized by John, so he went away from the Jordan, um, the Holy Spirit drives him or leads him into the, into the desert, or it's often translated the wilderness, And I think it's interesting to note in Jesus' ministry, he's often trying to get away, you know, from 
all the people always following him around. I mean, I think he loves the people and the disciples, but have you ever wanted to get away just for a little while? But Jesus hasn't started calling the disciples, and a lot of people are following him around, so he is able to go into the wilderness to pray, to commune with God. And this attempt won't fail because of all the people following him around. So the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. But the devil, it says, tempts him. Now, um, contrary to the pop cultural portrayal of the devil or Satan, which would have you believe in an import, that, that the devil is a real important character in Scripture, the devil barely shows up, um, just so you know, in the Bible. Um, not a real important um, character, but certainly is there as a tempter for us to remember in Genesis. Um, Hasatan, Satan, in Job, that word is really is more accurately kind of translated as prosecuting attorney. <laughs> I mean, really, like the accuser. Like, um, so in Job, you know, you know, they're, they're talking, all the heavenly beings are talking, well, you know, humans are, they're not so great. And God says, well, consider my servant Job. And the devil says, well, Satan says, well, God, if he's so great, let's try it, <laughs> right? And here we come back, and here is the devil, the tempter. But it's important that I, often the way pop culture has it, it's like this fight, right, between God and the devil. And, you know, in Constantine, this movie, there's, you know, demons and like all of this sort of stuff. And it's really interesting that, I don't know, but as people go to church less and less, it seems these kind of films and stuff get more and more popular. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, but, you know, there's all these sort of comic books and movies about this fantastical stuff. And I've had a couple conversations with people who really have never gone to church or read the Bible, and that's what they think I believe. Which kind of I mean, I guess my life would be interesting if I thought that. Um, in a, but, but anyways, that's kind of neither here nor there, but that's often what people think of when they think of Christians, people who believe in this war going on. Um, but he, here, the devil is not the personification of evil, right? Maybe the personification of, of temptation or something like that. And you don't, you don't see this as much anymore, but... Back, even when I was growing up, uh, you know, there were a lot of cartoons, and there would then be a, an angel on one shoulder, this familiar, and then a devil on the other shoulder. And the devil would say, you know, do it, do it, you know, hit him. It's, and the angel would say, no, 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 no. And you know what? The devil usually won. Because that's more interesting to watch, that's funnier. In a cartoon, there's more comedy, there's more drama when someone does the wrong thing. And my 14-year-old daughter I spoke about earlier, she really likes kind of social things and drama. So we're watching now this TV show from the early 2000s called The O.C. 
I don't know if any of you watched this amazing classic television program. Okay, it, it's a teen drama, right? So there's these kids in high school, and she's in high school now, and they're just getting in all this crazy trouble, and she's like, I've never seen any of that, Dad. I'm like, I know, but see, your life, which is lovely, would not make an entertaining television show, right? Because, you know, we like the drama. And there are some people in our lives, even, that kind of like the drama. So, you know, maybe you know someone who likes to kind of just stir the pot. Know anyone? Yeah. But it's interesting, but we all, most of us, you know, we don't want to live in the OC. At least I don't. I mean, I'm sure Southern California is great. I mean the TV show. Right? But in the scriptural story today, there is more drama in Jesus resisting temptation, which is different. It's not the pattern. Why is that? I think partly uh, in the first case, Jesus has a thoughtful, has thoughtful, if kind of bonkers, responses to the temptations. You know, he's tempted with bread, being famished, you know, all turning stones to bread. And, and Jesus says, well, people don't live by bread alone. Well, true enough. But having enough to eat, as Scott will tell us later, is a necessary, if insufficient, uh, condition for human thriving. You know, that necessary, insufficient, that if you ever learn that, like, Without that, people aren't going to thrive. Just turn the stones into bread, Jesus. On the other hand, the wilderness, at least in the Bible, it's not really that far away from the nearest village. It's just away from it. He could go to the village. It wasn't a vast wasteland. He could get some bread. And how is divine power to be used? To magically turn stones to bread? Jesus knows that bread is a necessary condition for human thriving. Feeds the 5,000, after all, right? But he also knows it is insufficient for human thriving. The people only need bread. Indeed, we don't live on bread alone. Like I said, Scott from ICA is going to speak at our announcement time about the necessity of bread, but what else do we need to live and thrive? That's not a rhetorical question. That's a real question. What else do people need to live and thrive? Purpose. Purpose. So some, something meaningful to do. Love? Yeah. Community. Community. People. Hope. Yeah, a place they can live, right? You know, I'd add some other things, you know, um, art. I can't, books, yeah. I can't imagine my life without music or architecture. You know, in some ways, everything that humans do is art. It's artifice, stuff we make. 
Unfortunately, we make a lot of bad art. Um, but without it, right, can we thrive? And whenever we get in discussions around what people need, you know, I'm just, I think of, you know, how quickly music budgets are cut when a district has a financial problem, right? And it just sort of pains me because I know a lot of kids for whom that is the one reason they feel good about going to school at all, right? Yeah, we need math. But we don't thrive on math alone. <laughs> and the next temptation is, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the power of all the kingdoms of the world. It's been given to me. And often we focus on Jesus' response. Right? Which is worship the Lord God or worship God alone, right? But I think we should focus a little bit on the temptation. And I think we need to re realize something about that temptation is that it's a lie. Has all the power in, on the earth been given to this personification of temptation or evil? Is that true? No, it's a lie. Think about the lies that we're told, but I want you also to think about the lies that you tell yourself. And sometimes you're not trying to. If you're feeling a little depressed, a little down, that accuser doesn't need to be the devil. It's right in your head. And who do you think you are, right, to do that? You don't deserve this. You're not qualified. Should you even, are you even worth the air you breathe? I mean, that comes to most of us at some time in our life, and to some people it is a constant voice, that lie. And Jesus is able to come up with this response. We don't live that, that um, you know, that we worship only God. I mean, a lot of, the reason we even bother with worship as Christians is not because God needs to be praised as if God is some insecure being around, you know, that needs us to say, oh God, you are so big. You are so amazing. You know that from, um, uh, from Monty Python. No, it's because if we don't worship God, we'll worship other stuff. We'll pay attention to other things. And we need to pay attention to what's important. Because there's all sorts of things that tempt our, our lives away from that. I mean, in this case, it's the promise of power and wealth. And I think of, of people whose lives are defined by that pursuit of power and wealth. And I ever wonder if they've thought about their mortality. You know, I'm, it's really impressive that Jeff Bezos has one bagajillion dollars. I don't know what it is. Is that wealth a sufficient reality for thriving? 
In some ways, I think it gets in the way. Worship God alone. And the way we spend our lives shows us what we worship, and often it's the things that Jesus is turning down here. Power, influence, riches, wealth. And then the final one, taking Jesus up to the top of the temple and saying, throw yourself down and the angels will catch you. And Jesus says, don't put God to the test. It's in scripture. I also feel like Jesus should be saying, we take scripture literally, devil out there, but not always, I mean, we take scripture seriously, um, but not always literally, right? Are we supposed to go around testing God? If you keep testing, we're not trusting. Some of the most mistrustful people I've run into are always testing to see if you will live up and do the right thing. I've been a transitional pastor for 24 years or so, and often in a, in a congregation, I'll run into someone who's amazing, but they're always testing. And they like me until I fail the test. And you want to know the reality? I will fail the test. At some point, the test will be failed. A phone call will not be returned quickly enough. Or I will say something that wasn't what um, someone was expected to hear. Putting the Lord, or I, I'm getting the, the language of St. Luke in my head, but putting God to the test shows a great lack of trust. And also, what do you find out about that when we put people to the test? Jesus goes out alone into the wilderness and somehow comes back alive. And then Jesus begins to do what? To form a community around him. Of the disciples who will be closely with him, but there were you know, hundreds, thousands of men and women who paid attention and who supported him and who made that ministry possible. And that's why there's a church because we can't do this life thing on our own and we live in a, a world a culture where there's a lot of people in our culture who are really trying to do this life thing on their on their own and they're they've been taught that that's what they're supposed to do that's what independence means that giving into these temptations that Jesus resisted that's what real a real man does they turn the bread to stone. I mean, sorry, the stone to bread. Getting this wrong. They take the power. They put those people to test and make sure they live up to it. That's strength.
But here we learn it's not strength. It's deep weakness. And we have been given a still more excellent way. So let us live into that in this community of St. Luke and in our community as we seek to work and to will for each other's thriving. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace. <laughs>